Well, we talked about this on New Year's Eve, Midnight yes. in Paris. Tim thought it was pretty good. Uh huh. What's that? Midnight in Paris. Yeah, I loved it. Jim, <laughs> no. you had other you had another opinion of Midnight in Paris. I did not love it. I feel like it's um, weak Woody Allen. It was cute. I thought it was well when we watched it. So I'll be the tiebreaker here. Um, I thought it was a very strong Woody Allen movie, and yeah, I could uh, see absolutely. why you wouldn't like it. I could see why you wouldn't like it, though, Jim. <laughs> why is that? Well, you know, it came down pretty hard against people who kind of romanticize a, a, a better past that may not necessarily have been better. Well, that's not that you would ever, not that you would ever do that, Jim. But you know, that was pretty much the. That's not why Jim didn't like it. Jim didn't like it because there are no Cylons in it. But there was time travel. Right. It had everything but Cylons. Well, how do you know? Maybe it was, maybe when Woody Allen finally does a movie with Cylons, were there Cylons in Sleeper? I don't think so. The, it, it, he's so subtle with it, he doesn't tell you they're Cylons. I, I, I would like to talk about Kirk's resolution, Tim, to not shout at either one of us. Uh, no, I, I just said Jim. I, can, I just said Jim. And I know you're saying to either one of us, because you want me to yell at you, and you're trying to, you know, but I'm not going to be that easily lured. <laughs> I don't think we have to worry about it. Honestly, I don't believe we have to worry about it. What do you think, Tim? I, what, like an alcoholic? Kind of like he's never quite, he'll always be shouty Kirk? Yes, Exactly. Even when he doesn't. Shout, Shouty Kirk has run away to live with the raccoons. The yeah, pot-smoking raccoons. How are the raccoons doing, by the way? Uh, have not been seen since the voodoo hedgehog has been put into place. I, I have a raccoon-repelling voodoo hedgehog that has a 100% success rate. And so far it works, by the sounds of it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that's pretty much a dictionary definition of a 100% success rate. Well, at least it's not a three-foot rat like they found in the Foot Locker in New York. Oh, 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 or the Mountain Dew, the mouse in the Mountain Dew. The mouse in the Mountain Dew. You guys Dew. hear about this? So someone's new or is this one of those... Uh, no, 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 no. Some, someone's suing Pepsi because they found a mouse in their Mountain Dew. And Pepsi's... Oh, no, no, no. And Pepsi's defense was... There's no way the mouse could have been in there because the mouse should have dissolved in the Mountain Dew. <laughs> if I were Pepsi, my take would have been, no, congratulations, you won. You <laughs> only put one in a can, and the you're the winner. It's 9 p.m. on Tuesday, January 10th, 2012, and it's time for a brand new episode of Medialoper Bebop, rising from the ashes like Van Halen. Tonight, Van Halen reunites, and studies show that brain cells start declining when people turn 40. Are those two things related? Also, remember when Best Buy was great? And finally, we induct an album by Patti Smith into the Medialoper Bebop Great Albums Hall of Fame. Hello again, sports fans. I'm Diamond Jim Connolly, and tonight I'm sponsored by Woodford Reserve. And with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Tim, running with the devil Gaskell. It's, it's Van Gaskell to you. 
And Kirk, dance the night away, Biglione. Where am I? <laughs> You're in Media Lover Bebop, and it's a brand new crazy-ass leap year filled with Olympics and politics Ooh. and ending with the destruction of the world. That's what You know what I love about the end of the world, this prediction, is it kind of comes at the end of the year, just about, and none of these other rapture things, you know, they're always like, well, it's in May, no, it's in October, or whatever. This one, they save it for the end of the world, so you kind of get everything out of the way, most of the holidays, you say your goodbyes, blah, blah, it's, it's, it's all good, it's a win-win end of the world scenario. So, Tim, did you have a new Van Halen song? I did. I saw it. I watched the video twice. Filmed at the Roxy, on the stage at the Roxy, by the way. A little trivia there, if you didn't know that. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's it's good. It's not like, a, it's not a barn burner, but it's a good, solid uh, song by Van Halen. And, and it's got the Van Halen humor and got all the trademarks there. Let's, uh, I'm sure the tour will be great. I don't know if I'll see it. We, Jim and I saw them. Well, I saw them at least twice. I saw them twice also. We went at least, I think we saw them three times. We definitely saw them for Sabbath. Yes. And then saw them on the Fair Warning Tour. I think that was the last time I saw them. I think uh, I saw them headline Fresno at least twice. Okay. Kirk, how many times have you seen Van Halen? Uh, I have not seen Van Halen. Did you hear the song? No. <laughs> Where would I hear the song? Well, I sent a link. <laughs> You sent a link. Where'd you send that link? I sent that link to you and Tim an email. When'd you, when'd you send that link? One twenty-one p.m. today. <laughs> it's It's been not quite eight hours. Yeah, I sent it on one... You, I expect, you expected I would see a link to the new Van Halen song and act within eight hours? Well, it's for the podcast. I'm sorry, I'm so, I'm sorry Van Halen does not have that... <laughs> Has not signed up for that level of my attention. Yeah, but you originally replied at 1.03 p.m. to a previous one. and since Well, there's a difference between replying to and going off to listen to some goddamn song I don't want to hear. But, but if you can time travel, that well, the timestamp on the emails is pretty irrelevant. We'll talk next week when I will have heard the song before both of you. Okay. <laughs> There so I didn't think it was all that great. I was actually kind of disappointed. But here's my question: Is that I am irrationally excited for this time, this Van Halen reunion this time around, and I do not know why that is. Well, probably because you read Chuck Klosterman's review of the gig they played for what 250 people at the Cafe Wa in New York. So you guys don't have to worry about spoilers with me. So you can just cut to the chase. What happens with Sammy Hagar? Um, well, if you travel back about 10 years, he they kind of left. Actually, oh, no, really? it was eight years. Hang on. I Tell a lie. I have seen Van Halen three times. You know what the third time was? Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't eight. say it. Van Hagar? Oh, Tim. I saw Van Tim, Halen Tim, at, the, at the Staples Center in L.A. I, took my, I got a ticket, ticket through work, and I took my... My son, it was like his first ever concert, and he was eight years old. So someday, Harry's going to be telling somebody about his first concert, and they're just going to laugh. Why? Because... No, they'll, well, they'll say, you saw Van Halen? Whoa. And then he'll say, yeah, I was with Sammy Hagar, though, and so that doesn't really count. 
Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like seeing Led Zeppelin with Paul Rogers singing or something. <laughs> or 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 was it after the jam? What was that jam reunion band? Um, <laughs> no, no, from the jam. From the jam. From that's the, right. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been called the, those other two guys in the jam. Now the. Uh, <laughs> what were we just talking about? <laughs> Brain cells. <laughs> Brain cells. <laughs> We're so, not on that one wait, yet. Did you do the introduction, Jim? Yes, I did do the introduction. I I can't remember. <laughs> we didn't finish Van Halen yet. Okay, you have more to say about Van Halen? So basically, what I was going to say is... This is the way it's going to be in the home. <laughs> We're going to be like three unites. days later. We haven't finished Van Halen yet. <laughs> Here, here's, here's the nightmare for Kirk. When the jam reunites, they're getting the Smiths reunited to open. <laughs> And you have to sit through the Smiths in order to see the jam. Would you do that, Kirk? No, because I saw the jam. You know, I saw the jam. But what if the reviews are saying this is like the jam plus the jam, (laughs) (laughs) the jam squared, the jam jam plus one. (laughs) So it's the jam. So you know, it'd be like it would be like yeah. What, what was a great? I'm trying to think of a great reunion tour that the Buzzcocks in '89 was a pretty great reunion tour. Yeah, I didn't see that one, but um, television was not bad. What about the Sex Pistols? Oh yeah, the television the reunion was awesome. I didn't like the album. I'd have to say that. I didn't think it was bad at all. Um, it was more like a Tom Verlaine solo album, and not one of the better Tom Verlaine solo albums. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought it was actually okay, and not um, it's not unlistenable, that's for sure. I, th- I thought it's got a few great songs. I didn't like the album, I'd have to say that. I didn't think it was bad at all. Um, it was more like a Tom Verlaine solo album, and not one of the better Tom Verlaine solo albums. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought it was actually okay, and not um, it's not unlistenable, that's for sure. I, th- I thought it's got a few great songs. and So, I think... The reason I was trying to figure out why I'm so excited about the Van Halen reunion this time around, and I think it goes along with this. Previously, studies had shown that brain decline had... Wait a minute. <laughs> We're not through talking about the jam. Kirk, do you have more to say about the jam? <laughs> no. I thought you guys might. Tim, did that count as yelling? I just... Uh, no. I was, I was a, that was a general announcement. I don't want to you know miss out if you guys have something to say. That was kind of like barging in. Are we moving on now? Moving on. I was doing a beautifully executed comedic segue, and you just barged right in and killed it. Sorry, I forgot what we were doing. <sighs> Momentum killer. So I forget sometimes. Here's some disturbing news. Previously, studies had shown that brain decline had been detected in people when they were in their 60s, but now, according to the British Medical Journal, brain decline starts as early as 45 years old. You guys know what this means? I'm going to start losing my keys. I'm going to start forgetting what I'm doing. I'm going to run around skittering from one task to another. So yeah. So basically, if if you don't know Jim, you've known you. If you if you don't know Jim, you should know that his keys oftentimes that's um, how had they shape shift or something. They move. They they're never where he thinks they are. And we don't know whether it's the keys that have a life all to themselves, or whether it's Jim just being totally forgetful, but he's always been that way. You know what I'm really worried about is that I'll go senile and not even nobody will notice. Okay, so here's the thing. 
how bad will this get? If they're telling us it's 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 happening early, are we oh. even gonna are we even gonna notice? Actually, and will, will it matter? Well, you know, there is a counter there is a counterweight to this argument. By the way, I don't know if you saw the link today. I think Roger Ebert posted it, but it was basically saying that the the older middle aged brain has, while it may not have the um, ability to react and kind of think on its feet as quickly, it does react to other things a lot better, i.e. like traumatic news and negative images and such. And basically what your brain does, it kind of compensates for this stuff. It, you kind of know how to get yourself into a good place, whereas when you're younger, you panic and you you freak out or whatever. But as we get older, we're much, much mellower and much easier to kind of go to our happy place, as it were. So basically what it's saying is, it's it's really a counterweight, or it's a, a you know kind of a trade off. So, how many older people do you know that aren't crazy? Um, Define older. Our well, parents' age. How, how old? Like seventy, you mean? Yeah. That aren't define, crazy. I mean, how many define, good how many good years do we crazy. how many good years do we have left? Is what I'm asking. Yes, Rox. Twenty. Hey, hang on, Rox. Rox is here. She has a question. She wants to know how much longer we're doing the podcast. Can you tell? <laughs> Wait, how old is she? Has she forgotten? <laughs> Has your brain started to, to decline? Yes. <laughs> is it my fault? Yes. Um, I have no idea. You can go ahead and start. Go ahead and start another one of your sto- another one of your stories. Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> now, what were we talking about? You were oh. saying how many old people do we're we know who are Van Halen? Crazy? Hey, have you heard that Van Halen song? Oh, I think it's called Tattoo. It's uh, really pretty good. You know, it's it's like okay. It. I don't know if if it's it's. I was kind of hoping for something a little bit more hooky. I think it's solid. Yeah, it's not it's not a huge hook, but I I liked it better the second time around. But 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 a good guitar solo. Yeah, lovely guitar solo from uh, Alex Van Halen. So, so here's some disturbing news. Previously, studies have shown that brain decline had been detected in people when they're in their 60s, but now, according to the British Medical Journal, brain decline starts as early as 45 years old. You guys know what this means? It means I'm going to start losing my keys, forget what I'm doing, and then run around skittering from one task to another. Actually, what it means is we're four years into this decline. <laughs> well, you guys. <laughs> I'm only three. <laughs> Well, which means right which means I've declined a fraction of a percent less. In my twenties, I could have figured out exactly what that percentage was, but now I have no idea how to do that. At least the brain decline explains why we started the podcast. Yeah, so we can remember what we were doing on. Have you the done the introduction yet, Jim? Um. Oh God. <laughs> It's 9 p.m. on Tuesday, January 10th, 2012, and it's time for a brand new episode of Media Lipper Bebop, rising from the ashes like Van Halen. Hey, Tim, have you heard that Van Halen album? Well, it's not an album. It's really oh, a single. Right, right, right. And the album's coming out soon. Yeah. Kirk, what do you think of the new Van Halen? I have not heard it. Jim, I think we have to make we have to make a note here for listeners. Basically, this Media Loper Bebop podcast is only 67% pro Van Halen. 
Oh, well, we, I, I'm sure, I don't think people, yeah, of course. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody at all, by the way. Normally, most, a lot of the stuff we talk about music-wise here, we're pretty much uh, kind of 100%, but this is like a 67% discussion here. But, but, so, but, you know, actually, if we really want to do the math, I don't like Van Hagar, so am I 100% Van Halen? Do I, or should, should it be more like 50%? Well, yeah, that's kind of a that's kind of a, a blemish, a little blemish on their record. So we, we most people tend to forget it. So so if Kirk doesn't like either Van, if Kirk doesn't like either Van Halen, and I like one Van Halen, and you like two Van Halens, then we're really only fifty percent. Yeah, but you know what? It's like being, you know, if if you're not an atheist, you're you're you know you're say you're a Christian, you don't believe in Islam or Judaism or Hinduism or all those other things with gods, but you're not an atheist. You're just an atheist minus one, right? So you're saying it's good enough to believe in some form of Van Halen. Exactly. And since I don't believe in any form of Van Halen, I am the you're atheist a, in you're your an scenario. A, you're an A. Halen. Something I'm like an that. A. Halenist. So, so, so basically, if I like any part of Van Halen, then I'm, then I like Van Halen. Uh, no, it's just you believe in them. Ah. But there's different versions, just like there's different religions. versions of God. Yeah. And, but okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, so, so in this in this analogy, Van Halen is God, and so is you're David the believer. So is David Lee Roth. Follower. Is David Lee Roth Moses, or 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 is, or is David Lee Roth Jesus and Sammy Hagar Martin Luther? Yeah. And you're telling me this isn't a podcast about religion? <laughs> no, it's about losing our brain cells. Hey, did you know that people our age are starting to lose their brain cells? No, you want to intro that piece now? Yeah, hang on. So here's some disturbing news. Previously, studies had shown that brain decline had been detected in people when they're in their 60s, but now, according to the British Medical Journal, brain decline starts as early as 45 years old. You know what this means? I'm going to start losing my keys, forget what I'm doing, and run around skittering from one task to another. Brain decline? No wonder men get more conservative as they get older. (laughs) Are you guys going to talk about that Van Halen song or what? Oh, 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 oh. Did you know there's a new Van Halen song? Well, the, the only Van Halen song I know is called Running with the Devil. It's from their first album that's coming out in a few weeks. and Their first album called, is? <laughs> just called Van Halen. It's Running With The Devil is the first single. It rocks! And it rocks. It rocks. And I hear they're, they're opening up for the reformed uh, Sabbath. So. Oh, you know what? Tony Iommi has cancer, so that's not even funny. That's not good. Yeah, but apparently he's still going... He's still going on with the tour. It's a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, I believe, so he may be able to get on with it, hopefully. So, so when we when we saw Sabbath just off stage, right, right, were probably like all their drug dealers and groupies, and now on this tour, just off stage, will be all their doctors. So, a decade ago. 
Rox and I would go to Best Buy all the time, once or twice a month, maybe even more. We bought nearly all of our electronic equipment there and loved it when they would send us our Reward Zones coupons, which were like, if you remember, like $5 for every $100 we spent. But over the past few years, something's changed. And I'm not the only one who's felt it. Best Buy is currently in a death spiral. And Kirk, it really seems like they brought this upon themselves, doesn't it? Oh. <laughs> wait, wait. It's just, a, it's, a, it's amazing. Do you, did you guys used to go to Best Buy like all the time for pretty much yeah, well, everything? So I used to go, well, yes. so for some things I would go to Fry's. And then, you know, at some point I realized I could get a lot of the stuff I would go to Fry's for. At Best Buy, it's closer. And then Best Buy was actually a pretty decent consumer electronic shopping experience for a while. But over the last two years, something has changed. They like It's like they don't care. It's like they're dismantling. In the Pasadena store, it's like they're dismantling right. to make it from like a nice shopping experience. It's like they're t- gutting it and turning it into like one of these big warehouse places. <laughs> and it's just like a big cavern now of stuff that – Mostly doesn't display well, and if you go in amongst like the ebook readers, it's just it's 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 like it's like Dawn of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead ebook readers. They've got every single ebook manufacturer displayed, hands on. This should be the place where you go out and try an ebook reader, which it would have been in the old days. Now nine out of ten don't work. Right, And the one that does work has something wrong with it where the display is like marred, where you can't really see what it's supposed to look like. I can't imagine anyone buying something there. And the tablets are even worse. So just recently, I mean, I've noticed this too. And, and we, a lot of times, especially after like Amazon bought, had their, their iPhone app, we would go look, oh, look, we'll buy a box set, but let's check what, it, what the price is on Amazon. And of course, Amazon was always cheaper, which... You know, is it necessarily the? Sometimes you just wanted something now, but Amazon was usually cheaper enough that we just said, "Yeah, we'll just wait." But the this this most recent time I bought an iPhone, the iPhone 4s, I thought I don't want to drive down to the Americana, which is where the Apple Store is, which is a big big outdoor mall, find parking, and deal with what I know is going to be a big line. I'll go to Best Buy. And not worry about you know fighting a million people at the Apple Store because it's it's going to be a less cool thing to do, so there'll be fewer people there. So I drive over to two, and also Best Buy is a little bit closer to my house, so I drive to Best Buy, and there's a line there with like eight or nine people in it, so that's not so bad. So I get in line, and there's two people helping these eight or nine people, and I stood there for ten minutes, and the line didn't move at all, and I thought I started doing the math, and I said. I'm never going to get out of this line, got in my car, drove to the Apple store because Best Buy couldn't be bothered to bring on extra people to sell the iPhone the weekend the iPhone came out. Yeah, and your experience with Apple, mine was great. And yeah, Apple, mine was too. My, my experience with Apple was the experience you have where you get, where, you know, someone addresses you and then you're standing in line, they hand you water and they, they take what order phone you want. And so, so the, and they're checking the stock and they're doing a whole bunch of pre things to mitigate the fact that even though they have like 40 people helping you or 40, I mean, not that many, but they have a ton of people working that, that there's still just a huge demand. They got that and they staffed up for it. Uh, Best Buy for me has been going downhill for many years. I started, I had a credit card w- with them for a while, and something about that, it 
I don't need any more, but that was not a good experience. I can't remember what it was. It was but there, I, I remember distinctly their customer service being terrible on the credit end. And then when it got into um, their online ordering and the fact that, you, have, you know, you can go and pick it up and everything, I think I did it once and never said I'd never do it again because basically you have to get into a very slow queue of people a uh, very long queue with, with with have like one person or two people serving and it's a different if it's a totally different line than the normal checkout and the normal um um <clears throat> registers to just get whatever and it moves much slower because they're doing returns and they're doing pickups as well so it's that's a horrible experience um the people on the floor oftentimes have no idea they have no idea what they're talking about or they have no idea where anything is. And so you, you just you don't have that thing like fries, which you mentioned, Kirk, actually fries. A lot of the people they have are pretty good. And um, they're I've actually gone back to fries for a few things now rather than go to Best Buy, namely because it's been across the street from where I work. But also it's just it's just much easier and they tend to have stuff. The other thing that annoyed me with Best Buy is. You would go there on the day of release for something, or maybe and maybe that night or whatever, and they would be sold out. They are <clears throat> one of the worst stores for managing the expectations of new releases and the demand, whatever you want to call it. They just never seem to have stuff in stock when you want it. Then you'd they'd say, oh well, it'll be here by the end of the week or something like that. And it's like no, you know, I've been waiting forever. I want it today. And that really pushed me into the online, the Amazon thing and Amazon Prime, et cetera, where I'd order it and sometimes I'd get it the next day or the day after and it would be cheaper, no tax, et cetera. And it would be uh, a better list price as well. So even if it was taxed with free shipping, it didn't matter. It was still cheaper. So it, the Best Buy, I, I just I avoid the last time I bought something there was probably a couple of years ago. I've gone in for a few things to get maybe gift cards or whatever in the last couple of years, but I have not done much else there. It just seems like they're understaffed, undertrained, and overselling now. And undercaring. <laughs> the um I think the beginning of the end we can trace if we want to look at a turning point for a once okay company was probably around I think it was two thousand seven. <laughs> When they opened the uh, Geek Squad customer support island, you remember that? It was on Second Life or something? In, in Second Life. They opened a, a Geek Squad customer support island on Second Life. <laughs> yeah, because you want to take guys who work at the Geek Squad <laughs> and tell them they're going to go to work on an island in Second Life. <laughs> it didn't work out too well. They ended up pitted in a, a public rivalry against the Durosport Corporation. That's right. Of all people. Do you remember that? <laughs> and was it the, that crazy guy from Durosport, Nerd, Nerdo? No, what Nero. Was it? Nero. Nero. Nero, that's right. Was was like, was, was, was just berating them, yelling at them, basically. Well, apparently Nero showed up at their island in Second Life with one of his 10-foot-tall portable audio players <laughs> with at a business proposal <laughs> and the the geeks were not amused but this whole thing spilled out of second life onto the Eurosport blog and it was this 
flame war that went on forever between the Durosport employees and real world Geek Squad employees from Best Buy. So the fact that that was allowed to go on in public for like a month was unbelievable. Hey, here's some disturbing news. Previously, studies had shown that brain decline had been detected in people when they're in their 60s. But now, according to the British Medical Journal, brain decline starts as early as 45 years old. How old is Van Halen? Um, the members of Van Halen? I remember buying, a, a, I think I bought a, a CD of theirs at Best Buy. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that was Tower Records. Never mind. <laughs> so they may be so old that they don't remember that this is a reunion. Right, because well, they're older than us, even. But the, so if they don't, then they're like, Michael Anthony has really, really, really stayed young. He's gotten younger, yeah. So exactly. he's done the Dorian Gray thing. Actually, Wait my, till they meet Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Sammy Hagar, by the way, of Chicken Foot. And Montrose. Montrose! Montrose. <laughs> Did you know there's a city named for Montrose right up by pretty much where you live, Tim? Just down the road, Montrose. Montrose, woo! Montrose is my hood, almost. Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Milton, pot of thieves. Wild cord on my sleeve. The opening lines of Patti Smith's Gloria might just be the greatest opening to any album ever. That album being, of course, her stunning and groundbreaking debut album, Horses. When Horses was released in 1975, it was a bridge between two worlds. The old classic rock that she loved and referenced, and the arty New York strain of punk rock that was just beginning to gather steam. For this and other reasons, Patti Smith's Horses becomes the latest inductee into the Medialoper Bebop Great Albums Hall of Fame. Kirk, this was your choice. Why don't you give us some... Ah, why don't you... See, the brain decline. It's all about the brain decline. Kirk, why is Horses so great? Oh, jeez. What kind of question is that, Jim? Kirk, defend yourself. What's so fucking great about Horses? It's one of the greatest rock albums of all time. Although I am now disturbed looking at this and thinking about taking Tiger Mountain and realizing that my two nominations have, been art, have both been categorized as art rock. From the mid-70s. Mm. <laughs> from the mid-70s. And yet, they are from that parallel universe of the mid-70s where music was great, not bloated. So I think that, um, first of all, I have to say that this, not just 
Horses is a big part of it, but the single that came before this and the live bootlegs that are available from that era, uh, Let's Deodorize the Night and Free Music Store, when you put those things together, I think the Patti Smith group in that like two-year period rivaled Bob Dylan in the mid-60s, that two-year period where Bob Dylan was the coolest person on the planet. I think that Patti Smith achieved that status in the mid-70s. And this is just the high water mark, or maybe the embodiment of, uh, of what she was capable of artistically. It's just, it's a phenomenal album. It's a phenomenal debut album. So, so is it because it's this kind of interesting combination of 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 because Lenny Kay had 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 um, was a rock critic a written for Cream and, and I think Rolling Stone and a bunch of other magazines. Maddie Smith was a rock critic too, right? But Maddie Smith was more of a poet. And well, what I was really going with Lenny Lenny rock. Lenny Lenny Kay had Lenny Kay had curated nuggets, right? So he was really I mean he had been deep into sixties garage rock and a lot of that sound is on the album but then there's on top of that is Patty's is ethereal poetry right and so they have that kind of grunge rock sound but instead of going the blues route they kind of go a more free jazz route right like birdland yeah Which gives them kind of different flavor than other bands that might have had all of the same influences, but not had. Obviously, Patti Smith was the force for everything. She wrote the songs, it was her group. But um, the band, I think, was obviously a great band. And in those early shows, I guess Tom Verlaine performed with him. <laughs> he's listed as additional personnel on the album. I don't know what on the album as well. Yeah, he definitely you can definitely hear his guitar and break it up. That's yeah. absolutely Tom Verlaine playing the lead part on Break It Up. Well, I think he co-wrote it, didn't he? Yeah, I think so.
I was trying to recall the first time I heard this album, and um, I can't do it. I can remember back to the beginning of time and feel like I've always known this album, but obviously that can't be true. Here's here's the thing. I don't know about um, you guys, but late night TV. She was on a few. I remember seeing her on things like. Um, was she on Saturday Night Live? No. Well, before that, though, I'm thinking no? she was on daytime talk TV. She was on the Mike Douglas show. That's when I first saw her. Oh, it had well, to be like 75 or 76. She was on the Mike Douglas show a couple of times. And in that era, I'd never seen, you know, punk rock hadn't really happened yet. Certainly not on daytime TV. And Fred no. Uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking, who the hell? Only small Kirk Bigliotti thinking, who the heck is this lady? <laughs> or who is this guy? Wait a second, that's a lady. She was, of course, she looked like Keith Richards. Right. But the thing I remember is Mike Douglas is like looking at her like he's trying to sort her out, and she can't sit in the chair straight. <laughs> she's got one leg over one arm, and she's like sideways, like Juan Pierre's hat. And it made an impression on me, even if the music, maybe I wasn't sure about it, but she did a song during the show, so that uh, I can't remember what it was. Um, I can't find those on YouTube, but I can find references to those. Can I just tell you what I just found on YouTube? Yeah. Gloria, April 17, 1976, on Saturday Night Live. This is, the, this oh. is what I remember. Okay, okay. So she, and that was the inspiration for Candy Slice. But before that, she was on Mike Douglas, which is weird that she would be on a show like that before Saturday Night Live. She did another show, which you can find on YouTube, for kids, where she sang You Light Up My Life. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> to, an, to an audience full of children. <laughs> In fact, I think it's probable that, that that Patti Smith had more of a sense of humor about what she was doing than than you would expect, or that people gave her credit for. I think a lot of people thought she was this serious, heavy, dour kind of, you know, rocker. Yeah, and that's why I throw those live albums from that era in with kind of the the the, the pantheon to really get the sense of Patti Smith and what she was back in that era. You have to hear those live albums from one before and one after because um, it's all there's a lot of stage banter and she doesn't come off as serious at all 
Well, so, and this is this goes to my my Patti Smith come to Jesus moment, which, which was, you know, obviously I've always respected this album, didn't love it as much as other people, and, and then I saw her in concert. I saw the 96 reunion tour with, by the way, Tom Verlaine as second yeah. lead guitar. And, and it was one of the greatest concerts I, I've ever seen because Patti Smith just loved doing what she was doing more than just about anybody else I've ever seen in concert. And the image of her as arty poetess you know, um, and and trying to change the world with her art was just completely more like fuck that. Let's rock. Let's play. I mean, literally, the last two songs were "Not Fade Away" and Van Morrison's "Gloria," which right, yeah, which not even her "Gloria," but Van Morrison's "Gloria," which are like the 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 greatest bar band songs or two of the greatest bar band songs ever. And by the way, this is after she'd had her son come out and, and play "Smoke on the Water." So that was the the I am I, I am you know obviously she's she's an intelligent and poet and and has that ethereal thing but she also has a great physicality and a love of physicality in in, in music that just was so amazing to see. That was a yeah. That was a, a total landmark show for us. Gina and I went to go see her at the uh, Shepherd's Bush Empire in London, and um, we were blown away. And it was just it was just one of those nights, you know, where everything was firing on all cylinders and. Everything was good. Her attitude was great, and she was funny and talkative, and it was just a very warm show. And the music was amazing. So, definitely, definitely a high point. And that was at a point where it didn't seem like she would ever tour again, or it's certainly not something we considered would be a possibility. It sort of seemed like she was retired at that point. She, I think, she had officially retired, and this this was kind of her. Her way of dealing with Fred Smith's death was going back out and and yes. doing music again because her husband had just died with like a year with like within the last year and this was her her response to it like almost a instinctual response to going back to doing what she did before that it's like okay I need to start making music again because I had given up music chosen not to do music to spend my life with somebody I love but now he's gone so I'm going to go back to my first love music mm-hmm. and and that was an overtone I think to those to that first tour and probably maybe a little bit less to, like the first tour that's an overtone to it that's the reason for it subsequent tours become a little bit more professional become a little bit more you know uh what I'm doing now as opposed to returning to what I did before. Although subsequent tours were pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah. We we saw them on the Santa Monica Pier I think three years ago. One of those free summer shows. It was amazing.
So, um, favorite song on horses, Tim? Dance the Night Away. <laughs> favorite song on horses, Kirk? Um, it's tough to choose a favorite song on an album like this because you got Gloria, you've got Land, you've got Birdland, um, Free Money. It's there's so many great songs. It's probably I, I would have to say Gloria. Uh, although I hold a special place in my heart for Birdland. I, I used to play Birdland on KFSR all the time, and sometimes I would get phone calls from people Boy. saying, what, what is this? This is like eight minutes long? What is this? I ha- tell me where I can buy this record. And then one time I played it, and this guy said, what is this? This is the most self-indulgent ten minutes of radio I've ever heard. <laughs> and so I hung up on him and went and queued up Sister Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would say Gloria. I thought this version of Gloria was uh, it was a great cover of the U2 song. Um, but you no, know, I just yeah, that's probably my favorite. Um, again, they're all good. I'm go- I'm gonna go with Land because the the. The opening section of just the horses, 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 horses. Do you know how to pony like Bunny Maroney is just brilliant. It's a good me. build. It's a great build, and it's a great resolution from a build into uh, just you know a, a dumb, stupid, wonderful rocks early rock song. Mm-hmm. He saw And so, congratulations to Patti Smith, whose album Horses joins Huskadoo Zen Arcade, The Hold Steady's Boys and Girls in America, Brian Eno's Taking Tiger Mountain by Strategy, The Kinks' Arthur and Ariam's Murmur, and the Media Loper Bebop Great Albums Hall of Fame. When we get up to 100 albums, are you going to recap them all? Yes. As a matter of fact, I am. Okay. He's not going to let us get off the podcast until we each come up with our own ordered list. Of, of the 100. Oh, sir! Just one more thing. One more thing. Tim... Okay, <clears throat> the onion used to be funny, right? Uh, I think the onion's still funny. Yeah, but have you noticed? Have you noticed, or is it just me? Have it, you noticed the slight decline in the quality of their headlines lately? Can you put a numerical value to that decline vis-a-vis their earlier? Comedic- well, I would say the- if I well if I put a percentage, I would say it's about it's about forty seven percent less funny lately than, wow. than previous years. I don't know Could what it is. Does this have anything to do with your with your brain decline? 
Well, yeah. that's what I'm I'm tying. I'm I'm thinking it may tie in with that. Basically, I've noticed because you know if you like subscribe to it on Facebook or whatever, I've noticed I've started. I used to get like one a day or something from them, but now I'm getting like five a day, and they're they're just not hitting that kind of funny bone that they used to. And I it feels <laughs> to me like it's been taken over or they've got a new editor or something, and it's just it's just not right. You know how you get sensitive. You know, like if you're if you're the um, the engineer on Battlestar Galactica or whatever, and you can hear the like the hum of the engine, and it's just not right. That's kind of like with me and the onion. It, I I can hear it, and it's just it's out of sync. Um, I haven't noticed it, but I don't follow the onion. I I I I, I dip into the onion, and then I but I don't onion read it. Dip. Exactly. I, I'm an onion, I'm an onion dipper, and I, I or I I sometimes or I'll just instead of, not like you, Tim, who obviously is peeling it away, peeling you know layer after layer of the onion to try to figure out where the good part is. I just well, it's making me. It's definitely making me cry. <laughs> it's making me hungry. One more thing, Kirk. It has been a goddamn rough off-season for Oakland A's fans, let me <laughs> tell you. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> number two starter, all-star Trevor Cahill traded. Then, number one starter, all-star Gio Gonzalez traded. Then, closer, all-star rookie of the year, Roy Bailey traded. Boy, that Billy Bean must have something up his sleeve. Yeah, Kirk, it's looking, I got a it's, it's looking I have grim. A question and, for you. Yeah. I have a question. Have you seen Moneyball? No, it's it's available on iTunes for rent. We're going to watch it this weekend. Yeah, you need to watch it. And so the team is being dismantled before some possible alleged move to San Jose in three years, maybe. Um, and, you know, we had been hearing they've traded away their outfield. Coco Chris was letting everyone know that he really enjoyed his stay in Oakland, but now that he's a free agent, it's time to move on. And that was the last we heard. And then last week, Coco Crisp announced that he had made a decision. He was about to sign a contract, and he would make the announcement in a couple of days. And then we were all surprised when he made the announcement that he's going to stay in Oakland for two years. Do you know what that means? Nobody wants Coco Crisp Afro Watch yep. has been renewed for a new season. Woo! Though I need to ask you a question about, I need to make an observation about the dismantling. This seems to be like the first time in baseball history a team was dismantled before it ever got good. <laughs> when you're trading away your young players who, you know, make the All Star team or win Rookie of the Year, <laughs> who lead the league in ERA, that's a dismantling. It is a dismantling. How do you, how do you define good? If uh, you try to put the pieces together and you're trading away the best parts before you can get some more pieces to make it effective, then that's dismantling. Right. I just I just think that most of the time it's like, you know, like what Florida would do. They'd win the World Series and then then they dismantle the team that had won the World Series. And then build another one and win another, win another one. Yeah. Exactly. But Oakland's... Dismissing with the whole winning the World Series part right now. Yeah, you got a problem I think with that? You should, you should just be happy with that twenty-game win streak. Oh shoot! Spoiler. 
That part I saw. I watched that game on the TiVo last weekend. Did you guys hear about the Van Halen song? Tattoo. Yeah, it's 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 okay. It's got uh, yeah, but it's got um, what's his name on drums? My <laughs> Alex Van Halen. Catfish Hunter. Catfish okay. Hunter. <laughs> Gio, no, Gio Gonzalez, I think, is um, playing drums, and, and Coco Crisp is playing bass for them now. Yeah. Kirk, would you see Van Halen if Coco Crisp was playing bass with a big afro? You know, Jim... i just asking. You might want to rephrase that question. <laughs> well, he's not obviously not playing bass on the afro. He's sporting the big afro, and he's playing the bass. One more thing... I've been reading Colson Whitehead's writing since his days at Spin, and now he just might be my favorite novelist out there. He has a knack for creating full, lived-in universes for his characters to inhabit, and his latest novel, Zone One, is no exception. Zone One is a wry, sophisticated, post-apocalyptic um, zombie novel, told mostly in flashback. Unlike so many post-apocalyptic novels, not a lot of time is spent on the origins of the apocalypse because Whitehead is more interested in how his characters have dealt with the change it's made in their previously low-stakes lives. Like all of Whitehead's novels, Zone 1 is a great, provocative read. Oh, hey, have you heard the new Van Halen? It's a great, provocative song. And that does it for Media Leopard Bebop, episode 27. I've been your host, Jim Connolly, and I'd like to thank Tim Gaskell. I've been your host, too. And Kirk Biglioni. We forgot to talk about Best Buy. Oh, 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 did you guys... Did, Best Buy is dying. Did you know about he, that? He sent us... Kirk, he sent you the link. Go back and read it and report back to us in the future. We'll talk about, we'll talk about Best Buy next week. We'll talk and, about Best Buy and Brain Decline next week. And, and the uh, Led Zeppelin getting back together. Oh, and that new Van Halen song. That and the one. jam. And the Smiths. And thank you, our listener, for listening. We'll catch you next week. Same Bebop time, same Bebop channel.